when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Waypoint Radio. What do I say up top? It's a new year. I forgot what to do. This is, is like it better? S- Austin, is 2018 a better year? No. How's 2018? Let me know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm so thrown off. This is like our third or fourth. But we've been recording nonstop today. It is not actually January 1st, 2018. Stand Thanks to, to Bowen for letting us use his track, Miss You, <laughs> off the EP Pale Machine. And uh, until then, what do we say, uh, Danica? Uh, peace. Uh, welcome to 2018, everybody. Uh, it's obviously, as you can hear, it's Austin, Rob, and and uh, Patrick also here. Uh, Danielle and Danica are off doing other things, prepping for the the new year, prepping for prepping for our uh, end of year stuff. Ready uh, ship posts. Get making ship posts, making making. Ready, ready to quipo. What is this? Is this creepy? Are, are we que- bringing creepy back? This is bad. This is so bad. Uh, we're gonna. I'm just gonna move move on. We uh, we're recording this way before the end of the year. We're recording this on the 19th uh, of December. But we felt like maybe you know the right way to go into the new year is to you know with a garbage you know, podcast with a garbage disaster <laughs> podcast. And so what we thought we would do is burn all of your letters after we read them and answer to them. Answer to them. Answer to them. Oh, I'm loopy, y'all. I. This is bad. Uh, I'm losing did, it. Uh, did, did Rob slip you some? Uh, what some, are you implying? Some, uh, some malt liquor. He slipped me some malt liquor and some very special brownies. <laughs> uh, we are going to go to the question bucket and try to get through as many of these as as we can, um, so that we can we can really just go into the fresh, the new year fresh, fresh and clean. Uh, I'm looking at this. It seems like we still have 28 pages of questions. That's a lot of original OG question bucket questions. That's too many questions. We should we should start digging in. Where do we want to start? You start at the bottom. You want to start at the top. How many how many numbers we got again? Just start scrolling down until something looks interesting. We have fifty. Is that a feature? Is that a feature of Google Docs? Like Control F, find an interesting. Find interesting. (laughs) Forty eight. We have forty eight. We have forty eight. You want to start at forty eight? Yeah. All right. Is that, that's the oldest? That's the oldest? No, it's the newest of, oh, this, okay. of this question. All right, we'll do oldest and then uh, – or newest and then oldest. All right, so newest. Tom from Connecticut. This is still from forever ago in this question. Oh, okay. sure. Highway point. Here's a politics question since Austin asked for them on Twitter. What do, you, what do you consider the appropriate time to share your views? I often have politics talk to me unasked for by friends, coworkers, and acquaintances. These uh, They often express views I strongly oppose for personal or moral reasons. Quote, these people aren't grateful the welfare uh, that comes out of my paycheck. Or, quote, uh, I treat minorities well. I don't 
don't need the government telling me how to treat them, or, quote, it doesn't affect me, or, quote, the science isn't there yet, etc. I try not to engage with this as it leads to strange relations with people who I usually do not need, sorry, who I usually need to be amicable with <clears throat> and leaves both parties frustrated. Yet I really do not want my silence to be an endorsement of these views. So when do you choose to engage? Thanks, Tom from Connecticut. So when do y'all choose to dig in? I know Patrick. Uh, if I could just breach the the, mm. the privacy of our of our we talk sometimes outside of work. Uh, what <gasps> that we do sometimes. And recently, I know you've had some issues with some like PTA members. Oh Whoa. yeah. Uh, well, so there was yeah. I had uh, this instance in which uh, again, I don't know where we are in the order of this podcast. This is later, so this has already happened. Okay, yeah, yeah we had a conversation, is, yes. and we, which we, one of the, uh, the, the, the podcasts we did, the short pods that we did for each day uh, during sort of our, our holiday break um, uh, was kind of talking about, like, politics and uh, our feelings of, uh, about it throughout 2017 and how things have changed. And one of the things I mentioned was that one of the things I tried to do to uh, feel more in control. Like, I, you know, I am not running the, the Mueller investigation. I cannot, I cannot get Trump out of office. <laughs> Wait, uh, really? You're through, not? Like, that's not... I thought I assigned that I, to you. That's what you say. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, definitely Mueller's not. actually looking to find out what those alloys are. <laughs> like, it's... A- Fucking alloys is my whole life right now. <laughs> we can get an alloy uh, reference in every podcast. Then, Welcome to we... Alloy Allies. Uh, <laughs> we should just podcast. do. Should we just do? Yeah, you know, we... when we were wondering what should we do for this podcast, it should have just been let's talk about that article let's... in the New York Times. <laughs> let's for the Friday podcast talk about aliens. I'm I'm all in. I'm one hundred percent in. That's not maybe not a bad idea. So yeah. all right, keep uh, going for now though. This but this this question bucket needs to be <laughs> needs to be emptied. We, uh, I was talking about like trying to find things in my life where I can make an actionable difference to try and like start from like the, the ground up, right? Like is to try and influence things that are in your control or things that you can at least have some measure of, of voice in that feels credible. <clears throat> and one of those like was recently where there was a, a vote uh, regarding like our high school board. And then that got me interested in like what other other things that I can be looking into. And uh, a friend of mine had pointed me to this Facebook group. That is, you know, essentially just about posting things related to the city that I live in. And, like, it's just, like, here's, like, a business that's going to open six months from now because they, like, uh, they sold a liquor license. Like, just, like, small things that, like, tell you stuff about your area. And one of the things that was posted was, like, this ongoing struggle, uh, uh, this legal uh, dispute that's been happening over the last couple of years regarding a trans student uh, trying to just get the, uh, <laughs> the decency to go into the bathroom of their choosing as opposed to being told to go in a certain bathroom because people are afraid and ignorant of trans people. And so there had been some movement on this uh, recently um, about this lawsuit. And the first person who commented below the posting of the article was uh, a woman who was associated with the lawsuit who was trying to prevent this uh, trans student from uh, having the rights that they were they were fighting for. And like it was one of those moments where I thought, like, I kind of want to get into this. Like, this is like, I, I, I don't, I, I have not found it particularly useful to get into political fights over, like, Facebook and, like, as, as a writ large sort of thing. Like, if anything, like, the, the 2016 primary with, with Bernie and Hillary, like, really burned me on, like, like whether <laughs> any of that stuff is, like, fucking, like, I'm not going to convince any of my friends that I'm on Facebook. Like, it's just, ah. Um, but, like, I have always, what I, what I thought in this scenario was, like, this is an instance where, they're not my friends. Right. These are strangers. I don't know who any of these people are. And 
the, the conversations I was community, which is an but they are in my community. Right? And, and and one of the things that I was looking at was like one of the things that I like uh, people are people generally are mm. like not good writers or good at articulating their views. And like part of one of the benefits of my job has been like specializing in that. I'm not saying I'm always successful. I was right. like this could be a moment where like I can try and better articulate what the argument is for for giving this and respecting this person's rights and uh uh trying to put it in a way that isn't it is aggressive like in a way that's like i'm not gonna like i'm not being gonna be centrist about like a, a trans uh, individual's ability to go to the bathroom where they fucking want but i'm gonna try and articulate why like deconstruct some of like the typical arguments that are right. used against this and gotten this huge back and forth <laughs> and uh but it was productive like right so i didn't right. convince the woman that had posted the original uh, comment. But what I did get was a bunch of, like, incredibly kind comments from other people in the community. Uh, one uh, woman was the parent of another trans student that was going to be going into high school. And she, like, invited me to some other, like, private groups that do, like, progressive activism in the area. And she was, like, asking – another person asked, like, hey, can I, like, take one of your comments? And, uh, like – that you just phrase something really well. I like Turn to like, it into explain a meme. this to my. I got it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they actually wanted to like send it to a friend that like they yes. were having trouble articulating, and like like that was like okay. I like I didn't convince that person right. that I was that was uh, involved in this lawsuit because they were peddling a bunch of talking points. But like I made in like I helped someone with like by deciding at that moment that it was worth speaking up, and it was like incredibly satisfying right so like to, to build on that or, or maybe to, to uh, go to a more abstract place one of the things i always judge is just like hey jesus christ i don't know what just happened outside my my <laughs> they heard they heard we were talking politics the division like, is real <laughs> the division is real they're shutting it down 2018 um the one of the things that i always judge is like do i have a chance to make an effect and make an impact here um, and, and is this other person, uh, arguing in good faith? Is, is there actual question here? Do I have a way in? Um, and, and also, is it sometimes worth just extricating myself from those sorts of conversations going forward? If it's someone who I have to work with, um, because there are oftentimes that there's someone who you have to work with, you just fully will not you will not ever line up on and and having those you know that having those conversations is a dead end and is going to take more from you in terms of your energy and your life than what you have to offer or that would be better spent in other conversations pursuing other ways of, of bringing justice and, and fairness and, and then the politics you want into the world um and so like i think patrick the thing that you identified there was like oh hey this is a platform where i can reach other people even if this specific person isn't going to be reached and like that's a that's totally one way to, to make that judgment. And the other one for me is just like, there are times when I will become educated enough on a specific issue that I can have those conversations. Um, I remember when I was, when I was going to school in, in Canada, I was, was uh, at, at London, in London, Ontario, I used to always get into political debates with this guy at the Starbucks that I did a lot of like writing and stuff at. Um, and just like political conversations, debates is probably too strong for most of it, but he felt certain ways about like drone strikes that were very positive. He was very much like the sort of like, I'm going to be, I'm pro drone strike because it keeps our troops out of danger. And if we're going to be at war, we should just try to minimize losses. And so that was a situation where I was like, okay, I'm going to get my ass red on some drone strike shit because I gen <laughs> I genuinely believe that this guy thinks this. Like I, I know what his feelings are. Like I know how he votes. I know how he, what his, 
his general feelings are about the world. I don't think... And it's not, and it's, and it's doesn't seem to start from, like, a bad faith position. Like, right, right, he, right, right. He, he's anti-war, he, he thinks he, but... Yeah, he thinks he's saying, like, a, like, I'm, I'm, try, I'm doing the right thing. Right. Like, sort of... Right. Uh, he, you know, he thinks he thought it through. He, he, right. he, he probably did think it through. I don't know how much reading he'd done on it. And so what ended up happening was, like, over the course of a year and a half, we ended up having this long conversation over and over again about about drone strikes. Um, and it, it, the thing that ended up pushing him over the edge, and he did kind of end up walking back his position, was that I eventually presented him with the the thing that was happening. One of the things that had happened during during the Obama years was um, that uh, I believe in the UK actually um, they rescinded someone's citizenship without trial. Or I believe they may have had a trial that, that that person could not attend because they were living in uh, overseas at the time. And in that trial, they rescinded his citizenship, making him like a man with no home. And that meant that the drone strike, that it was a U.S. drone strike, was not killing a British, a British citizen who had not been tried for a crime. And instead, it was killing someone who had not been uh, – who, who had no citizenship. Um, and – once we started getting into that territory and started seeing how uh, indiscriminate some of the the killings were, or not even indiscriminate, right? That conversation never worked for this guy. Like, there's all you know, war is always going to have collateral damage. Blah 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 was his was his position, which was shitty. And it was like I had to sit through that shit and realize like, okay, that vector is just not going to work to change his mind on this. And so when I finally found the thing, which was like, oh, you are not safe because you are a citizen. And and think about what that suggests about the the moral strength of this entire program, um, and think about what that's what that what that means about like what sort of thoughts are going into justifying these strikes. That made him start reconsidering a bunch of other suppositions that he had made. Uh, and so sometimes it is just about like identifying an issue that you know you can get smart about and have that conversation. You're not going to be able to have it with everyone. There's also a guy who wanted to to, to wanted to move his Canadian build a, uh, a, a or buy, rent out a small office in the states for his Canadian based business so that he could say he was a U.S. based business instead and end up getting both the benefits of being in the U.S. and Canada depending on what they were. So like there were other issues <laughs> that I knew I was not going to move him <laughs> on, but this was the issue that I. I knew I could, uh, and so and so. Like sometimes it's about that for me. It's like where can I actually have the impact? What issue can I can I drill down on? Um, Rob, do you get in a lot of political debates with friends and family? Oh God, man, I have no good answer to this. <laughs> like, look, a lot of times it's not going to be productive. Like, yeah. and, and that personal front, like it's going to be exhausting. It's going to be divisive. You won't change minds. Maybe it'll even further entrench the person into just thinking you're an asshole and all libs are assholes. And sometimes <laughs> you don't care. You hear the bell ring and it's like, you know, fuck this person right. and fuck what they think. And then you just got to go and enjoy those moments. Uh, a lot of times I will say that A lot of people who have really problematic – like who are vocal and really problematic beliefs uh, are not shy about being loud about them and it creates an illusion of popularity and like numerical strength that they do not actually have. And sort of in Patrick's experience, like a lot of times a lot of people are thinking like, well, this seems like bullshit or this seems cruel or shitty. Uh, but everyone just kind of like – you know, bites their tongue and just tries to move on and go back to, you know, sports and the weather. Uh, but if somebody's actually, like, willing to step up and say, like, well, actually, I think you're full of it, and here's why, 
and sort of illustrate that, uh, yeah, it's not going to change minds, um, but it will let people of good faith and uh, perhaps like-mindedness uh, feel a little more confident and free to express their beliefs and and, and promote them uh, within their well, communities. In like public or semi-public spaces, you can help build coalitions, right? Like that's that was like the like what I found out of like my experience was like, well, I got now I've gotten in contact with people who like are, are giving me power to like find other ways to contribute, and it's like that was a useful expression of that, which is different than like trying to convince your racist uncle. That, right, you know, of whatever. So, but if it's if it's specific though, like to policy or an issue, like do make sure you actually know what you're talking about, like that you know the the ins and outs. Like I think something else that happens is a lot of people end up uh, not intentionally arguing in bad faith, but like right, there is a craft to structuring an argument and seeing how they work. I'm not talking about like debate club rules or anything like this, but like there are certain levels uh, like. There, what is needed for good for a good argument is like consistency of evidence and uh, you know line of reasoning, and a lot of times if you're not familiar, if you're not really grounded on a subject, it's real easy to just start winging it and like. End Rob, up are you saying issue. all the people on Twitter who keep retweeting Seth Abramson oh might be might be doing the very thing that Jesus you are alluding Christ. to right now? Jesus Christ! Okay. Okay, 2018. Twenty eighteen. Uh-huh. We're not we're not retweeting Seth. We're not retweeting Joy. Okay? They do not know what the fuck they are talking about. No Joy. They are bad. No David from no Rick listen, Wilson. Listen, listen, like listen. no I, Louise Mensch. Like come on. Thing, think about it. Think about it. Eight months ago, we knew so many people who were retweeting Louise Mensch. We knew so many people, and they've come so far. They've just stopped. They've just stopped retweeting her. There is hope here. I believe yeah. that we could live in a world. We've made progress. No Pro- one progressive- <laughs> progressivism. Not a whole lot of victories in 2017, but. We've gotten to we've shamed people out of Louise Mensch, which I get. And then here's the thing: is like I, it's just what you're talking about, Rob. Like there's the desire where you know in your fucking heart that you're right, and you know that the you you know that all right. This is a this is a bad metaphor. You know mm. that that fucking pass was a touchdown. You know it. And so, like, the fact that there was a penalty called, you don't give a fuck about the penalty. You don't care what the rule book says. And you see someone who says, like, there was no fucking penalty, you agree with that person immediately. And, like, sometimes there was a penalty on the play. But maybe but the, also the catch rule in the NFL exact, is bullshit, exactly. and they need to change it because that catch that Jesse Jameson made in the Steelers against the Patriots was a fucking touchdown. Exactly. RT if you agree. <laughs> Right. No, you go on RT if you're Louise Mensch. <laughs> or actually, if you're Jill Stein. If you're Jill Stein now, yeah, today. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We got to do another question. We spent we 18 do, minutes on this. This is a quickie because we've addressed it before. Patrick in Sacramento says, my wife and I are expecting a baby boy at the end of this month. I, 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 one year old. I'm one year old. <laughs> <laughs> I this question absolutely came in over a year ago, one thousand uh, percent. Well, hey, I'm right. I'm right with you, Patrick Sacramento. Patrick from Illinois uh, also has uh, survived a uh, year with a child. So yeah, Patrick from cheers. Sacramento. I just double checked it. This question came in October sixth, twenty sixteen. I hope Good. your baby boy is he- a healthy one year old, uh, fourteen months old now, going into into, into twenty eighteen. Uh, anyway, I recently dug out my old NES out of my dad's attic, got it working, and I still have a decent start to a cart library. 
sorry. I really like his first video game to be Super Mario Brothers, but he'll probably get a hold of my phone way before he can manage an NES controller. So the question is, mm. should I expose him to games following chronological order as I experience them, or just let him discover them naturally? I want him to appreciate the old stuff. But if he were a role player, I wouldn't make him play first edition D&D, then second, then advanced, and so on. Uh, I think we've all talked about this in past episodes. I'm very much the, like, let it be natural. And, and, yep, and God, there's yeah. a way to expose them to old games also sort of naturally, which is, like, when you see a kid who – and I, I think this is, this is true for me as a teacher even, it, whether I was teaching about games or teaching about anything else. It's, like, when you notice a natural affinity in someone for something or an organic affinity, like, oh, wow, they really enjoyed their time uh, playing uh, uh, Spelunky, then you can say, okay, well, did you know that Spelunky has this whole history behind them? Also, if you have, like, a three-year-old who's good at Spelunky, like, protect that kid <laughs> because they're a genius. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean, right? Like, if, if you see somebody who – like so, Vinny over at Giant Bomb talks a lot about how uh, uh, his son Max loves car games, loves things like Rocket League, loves uh, Sonic All Stars, uh, Racing Transformed, and like if I was advising Vinny, I'd be like, "Oh, you should, you should, you know, let your son uh, play uh, Mario Kart, or let, let your son play some older racing games um, that that like you grew up with and that you really loved." Uh, and like that's that's the sort of thing where it's like you can you can sprinkle in the old stuff, you know. Or slip Max a credit card and give him payback, and uh, just let him, get some loot boxes, Max. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, that's that's a hundred percent how when is that you how know, when I yeah. when I have thought about that is uh, you know you so like right now like pre video games due to a lack of you know like eye hand coordination uh, like it's. Like the the media that my child does engage with is guided by her. Like I sometimes will put things in in front of her, hoping that like, oh, if we watch this, like I'll get a little more out of it. Right. But like at the end of the day, like the few times when I'm putting my kid in front of uh, a TV or, or handing them a phone, like it's either it's either on two ends. It's either because I need them to like chill the fuck out at this restaurant and so here's the phone and you look at the glowy screen because mom and dad need to get through another 45 minutes of this dinner <laughs> or it's uh things that they're naturally curious about and it's like what we noticed with my daughter was that she loves music like she loves to run around the house and dance to music the movies that she enjoys watching have music it's how it's what's gotten her interested now you can see her paying attention to stories to some degree right. where before she would we had to fast forward between the music um, to get her to, to 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 pay attention now she watches in between the music parts and like that will that that same approach is like I'm gonna will if she's interested she, she will play games like I don't know what that's going to mean because the definition of games is so wide um it may just be phone games or or whatever but like I you have to let your kid guide that now if they end up showing like a real interest like that's when you know like Okay, like, hey, can I show you what I, what, you know, what mom or dad is interested in too? And like, maybe then you're able to have that conversation and, and show them that. But, um, you know, I think this always comes from like the Star Wars question and stuff like that. Of like, how do you, and, you know, yeah. I think you gotta let your kid guide you because, uh, I don't, that's how you learn more about what they're interested in to begin with. So, um, I say this before I have to make those actual decisions, but that's, that's that's how I hope I would I would. That's what's in your head anyway. Yeah. Um, this next one is also one that I we hit, and I'm just gonna kind of blur over it. But Archibald uh, Beechcraft Esquire wrote in to say, "Will indie game development, freelance artists, writers, streamers, shoutcasters, etc., suffer under the Trump administration with the dismantling of Obamacare if it happens? Make these new types of careers less viable? Uh, I don't mean to sound hyperbolic, etc. We actually ran a story on this back in uh, January." Uh, of 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 
2017, last year, from Joseph Noop, called Game Developers Speak Up in the Face of Obamacare Re- uh, Repeal, which is hey. all about what that would look like um, and, and, and how the ACA uh, allowed a lot of independent developers to go independent and, and why they're afraid of what would happen if it, if it uh, went away. Now we have a whole other set of fears with this tax bill. It's great. It's fantastic. Fuck. Uh, so I'm not going to answer that one because we already did. Um, next, going back to the top of the bucket, or the bottom of the bucket, the oldest possible yeah. bucket questions. This one comes in from Don in Portland, who says, this is a long one. Okay. Whew. After TwitchCon and seeing the growth, uh, I guess presumably the growth of Twitch, and also this would have been the previous TwitchCon, it has me pondering some questions and thoughts. Please note, I'm a 45-year-old gamer, my first system was an Odyssey, uh, that has watched the gaming culture change dramatically, both good and bad. So maybe it's just me that does not get it. I still watch Twitch plenty since it was just in TV, but uh, but much of the time it's with the chat turned off and the volume down. One, the use of handles, this is, Rob, I'm going to need you to, to, to... really be here for this. The use of handles instead of names, uh, even outside of a stream. This is also seen in pro gaming and seems to be successful, but does the handle concept hurt the growth of gaming and streaming in the long run, or at least moving outside of its current market? Two, emoticon fascination. Watching the chat, it I just this is so good. Watching the chat, it just feels like a stream of emoticons. It makes makes it next to impossible to read for me. I've also noticed it becomes a call and response mentality, similar to wrestling. As soon as something happens, uh, something has a related emoticon, the chat is flooded with it, similar to a Stone Cold Steve Austin what response if if you watch WWE. Uh, three, I sometimes feel like I'm watching the modern uh, evolution of a street musician. Some good, some bad. Many times just begging for tips. Four, here is the big one. Twitch seems to rely on the concept of whales, a small amount of viewers that are willing to send huge donations to get their name set on stream or a special icon. I see this close to what a person would uh, I see this close to what a person would do to be an extra or to somehow see their name on TV. Is this sustainable and are the streamers taking advantage of these whales? Pick and choose, or maybe this is the catalyst for a bigger in-depth Twitch uh, conversation on Twitch and its culture and future. Keep on keeping on and may Lucha Underground never die. Lucha Underground is fantastic. Patrick, you should watch Lucha Underground. Uh, Dario Coeto has a temple, all right? There are monsters. Okay. It's wrestling mm-hmm. shot like yep. a telenovela. Um, okay. That, like, there are literally, like, <clears throat> it's really fucking good. There's a, there, it's, it goes supernatural places. It's, I am not caught up on it, but season one is fantastic, and you should at least watch that. Okay. Uh, so Noted. Twitch. I think it's all of those questions to me really do, like, what is up with Twitch in 20, going into 2018? What is the culture there? What is the sustainability? I'm with you that the emoticon thing, it, it is, I'm used to it at this point, but, like, it's a bummer. Uh, it goes to it goes to show you that there's a cap on what sort of community interactions make sense on Twitch based on, like, uh, size of, of, of active audience to some degree. Um, it's hard to carry on a conversation on Twitch if you have some of you have a thousand people chatting at once in the same room, you know. Um, but what do you what do y'all think? Where Twitch is at, where streamer handles are, and esports handles are, and stuff like that. I feel like Rob, you probably have like. Let's start with you. Let's start with you, Rob. <laughs> oh, just let people have their handles. Uh, <laughs> I just, I mean, there, there's a couple reasons for this. Uh, one is practically speaking, uh, one reason that a handle like was particularly useful in StarCraft, for instance, is uh, a lot of Korean surnames are shared. Uh, and like, and actually, so are a lot of first names. And so, like, you 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 like literally might have numerous players named like Hyun, right. um, and 
an easy way to distinguish yourself, but also create more of a personality around, like, because it's it's not like in very it's very rare in esports that um someone has such a distinctive style of play that they can really uh, stand out the way certain athletes do. So, some do have really distinctive styles of play uh, that you can sort of like look at a game they play and you can sort of tell like, ah, oh, this is, you know, this is Marine King uh, commanding, commanding those, uh, you know, Terrans in StarCraft. Uh, but I think handles are both useful for expressing, like <laughs> for, for expressing uh, sort of an approach uh, to play, so like you know, a handle is not a made-up name. It is, in a lot of cases, an identity people have sort of crafted and and chosen for themselves. Uh, and the other thing is, it's just it's a useful part of that culture that I don't think is actually holding it back. I think it's something that people who weren't going to get on board with like esports or streaming to begin with often point to as a way to like invalidate it. But I don't think like it's a I don't think it's a problem identified in good faith. I think it is a way of saying like, well this seems preposterous. <laughs> I mean I guess I guess it's true. I would say that this email feels like it's in good faith to some degree, right? Yeah. Like I think this is a curiosity, not a rejection necessarily. Or no. or or what it feels like is it um this email actually feels like what it's saying is there's enough of that bad faith rejection that is it just time to give in to that bad faith rejection if if it, the sport is going to grow outside of the its current confines and i guess you're saying no like you have to have that fight with the good faith or the the bad faith people and just deal with it and push through no yeah i want i wonder the with the cuz it often feels the debate over whether people should get rid of their handles comes from people that don't actually care that much about yeah, esports totally. to begin yep. with like I feel that way because, uh, and I'm I'm recognizing that as like a as a, a a feeling of ignorance because I largely the sports that I consume tend to have people's names and then nicknames are given to them. Calvin Johnson becomes Megatron right. or something like that, right. and like that's just the order in which things are assigned. Um, but I don't think you see too many arguments coming from within esports that people should get rid of that stuff. I think it's very I, – I think – I don't have data to support this. But my guess would be like the like younger generations who are growing up in which handles are like just ingrained as part of that don't really have a problem with it. It comes from what you talked about, Austin, this idea of like, oh, well, if it needs to expand, does it need to change to get those people? And I think the follow-up might be do you even need those people? Because I think it seems like it's expanding at an exponential rate just fine on its own and that it will expand in a way that just encompasses younger and younger generations and folks that don't want to, you know – Share, get off the pot, and just like learn to adapt to a culture that's different than what they're right. they're used to. Right. Like I don't know that it, that one that lots of things probably need to change about esports and all sorts of different ways as it grows and matures and figures itself out. I don't know if handles are the thing that it needs to alter just because people think it's weird that it do. You know, uh, I mean, don't call yourself Scott's big dick. Maybe like in the <laughs> battlegrounds t- t- test server that we got, or was it come daddy? Come, was that the uh, other one? It was, it, I think it was Come Daddy. I think it was yeah. Come Daddy. No, because I, I think because I think Danica said it as something else, and I was like, Danica, yes, there's a big difference between Daddy's Come and Come Daddy. It. I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm sorry that's, if you this is all played accurate. this podcast 
in the uh, car with your one-year-old child, um, <laughs> Patrick from Sacramento. <laughs> yes. Um, I think so. Well, Patrick isn't letting uh, his son listen to this podcast because he's got to actually catch up through GFW Radio and uh, one of the older, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, the the I think to speak to that larger thing, I think Twitch is at an interesting place right now, and streaming in general. Um, streaming currently does seem uh, kind of monocultural around Twitch, it, which is not to say there aren't competitors. Uh, I I actually really like streaming on YouTube. I I don't do it that often, but I like the platform. I like the the chat functionality there a little bit more, and also it's just not as inundated with the same sort of cultural traits that I don't love about Twitch right now. Um, uh, obviously sites like Mixer, uh, Microsoft's site, uh, formerly Beam, uh, has some really cool stuff happening on that platform as a streaming platform, but does not have the huge audience. And so right now it, it, it's one of the things that, that kind of sucks is it doesn't feel like there's much competition, um, in offering other styles of streaming, uh, as a platform, not only in terms of content, but as a platform and the platform helps lead to and shape some of that content because, you know, Twitch has a list of. Uh, best practices that work on that platform with that audience. Um, and so it has been really frustrating to me uh, for years to see that dominance because there are things about it I don't love. Uh, and there's been some some changes to that recently. Twitch rolled out the affiliate program, which offers a wider amount of people the ability to to monetize their streams and get support from their audiences. And I think that's a good first step towards towards moving away from this notion of like it's it's almost like there's almost two sets of whales. There are the whales that are the supporters who are willing to send mm-hmm. thousands of dollars to, to streamers, and there's also Twitch looking for whales, right? Like. When I, as an individual, stream on Twitch, if I streamed on Twitch right now this second on my personal account without a social media person to blast it out, I would probably be able to get a few hundred people to watch me. That is not enough to for Twitch to think that I care or that I matter. Like, Twitch wasn't going to care about someone who can get a thousand people to watch at once. Or maybe they'll care, but not as much as someone like a Dr. Disrespect, right? Like, someone who has a huge following or, or the many, many, many other people or many, many, many sounds like it's a lot it's not that many people given the number of people who stream the millions of people who use twitch to stream in the last year it's it's a very very it's a percent of a percent that make the money that twitch cares about right that that actually bring in the sort of income that lets twitch point to a a book and say oh yeah look this is here's what here's how we're growing and this is what we care about um and so in some senses there's this like double whale problem because it means that those users are also the ones whose uh, who are going to have their needs addressed, like, first and foremost. Because if you were someone who streams for 100 people, 200 people, and there are many more people who stream for sizes of that audience than who stream for thousands of people, um, your needs are just, like, not going to be prioritized. Uh, and so, like, I, I want those things to be ad- addressed, and I just don't know how it, how I see it going. And that's all on top of the fact that it all works on fiat. The only reason that Twitch exists is because no company has taken them to court yet and said, no, this whole thing is a fucking bust. Uh, and, it, and that's why Twitch is willing to work with publishers who say, like, hey, don't sh- don't let anybody stream anything from Persona after this date in the game. And we'll, and we'll uh, you know, listen to the takedowns. There's nothing that would prevent Twitch from saying, no, actually, we're going to let this happen. Take us to court except that they're just, they have a desire not to go to court to defend people who do that stuff. 
Um, and so I, I really there's just it's such an open ended question for me right now. On top of that, the just like how where is stuff monetized? How does how do uh, sites like Patreon fit in on this? Like we are at a moment where a lot of things are not settled about streaming, and and a time in which Twitch is trying to expand its base beyond people who play games into people who who cook into people who do art into people who just look at the camera into people like chill out man who is maybe, mm. for me, the trending gamer of that. 2017, uh, who brings music uh, of a Russian variety to our hearts, uh, to Jill Stein's oh hearts, to our boy. Uh, and it's just great. So, so yeah, I mean, that's that's where I'm at with, with Twitch, personally. Sorry for, again, the, the rant. I have lots of Twitch feelings. <sighs> we'll see. We'll see. I think maybe next question. Yeah. Uh, all right, so next up comes in from justin who says were you guys frustrated at the both sides uh oh, I, I lost it but probably um uh i this is a deep question about deus ex mankind divided which i've not played i through. can't answer that no sorry sorry justin <laughs> you, uh, but uh, let me read it real quick uh sure. yeah we are we uh, like there's a sympathetic lefty org there's also a peter Thiel type person i promise i was frustrated by all of the politics that i saw in in mankind divided uh until i stopped playing it not all of but, but there were many times when i was like Ugh, really and then i eventually didn't didn't finish that game was that this year that was last year that was last, that was year? last year what is last year. what is time all right next one comes in Man, i guess og lives didn't matter jesus christ Fucking! I just this comes in from Towers who says I just finished Monday's episode and Austin said something that stuck with me. <laughs> God knows what episode <laughs> that was. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Monday of a year ago. Um- when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Um, he said that he was still letting something wash over him, which is something that I completely relate to. It seems like on the internet there's a race for the hottest take. We did this podcast, Towers. Uh. Towers, it took us a year, but we did this podcast. <laughs> we did it last. This is literally the question Mello asks. Uh, it goes on to say, YouTubers seem to be leading a charge and a reaction, and everyone is... I just, I seem to be very slow to form any kind of opinion about most media. I've just, I've just experienced as a professional internet opinion person, how much time do you give yourself for that washover period, and what kind of pressure is there to put something out as quickly as possible we did just do that podcast I in austin's give... case particularly possibly too much too much sometimes sometimes i don't get a take out at all it turns out i'll never be a blogger uh next question <laughs> just from europe all right gamergate and groups with similar aims appear to not be going anywhere as many Ugh. gaming forums including the official steam forums make very clear when i ventured into the steam community areas i've often been frustrated by the hands-off approach valve takes that allows low-level harassment and conspiratorial speculation to thrive along with some other very nasty overtly nasty stuff but recently there's been a lot of coverage of what official moderation would would be likely to result in low-wage workers exposed to content hour after hour that causes ptsd valve already likely used 
few such services to catch the very worst and outright illegal content in their community areas, but expanding their moderation to avoid hate speech and disruptive elements would likely increase how much they uh, how much hate they expose low wage workers to. That uh, this seems like a problem for which no current solution is something to be happy about. Thoughts? Big fan uh, of everyone at Waypoint and what you're doing there, Jess from Europe. I think it's a, a a good bit of nuance to add to what often feels like a very simple question, which is just like hire more people. Um, and goes to to maybe show a uh, a gap in what we currently think of as acceptable work conditions for that sort of brute force moderation work uh, on the internet. Um, uh, I'd like to see a solution that that does not only pay a low wage but offers the sorts of resources necessary to withstand the brunt of that bullshit. Um, and mm-hmm. and you know ideally selects people who are. Um, who are who have some sort of training already in dealing with that sort of work? Um, there are people in in academic and data research, uh, uh, you know, industries who deal with who already have the skills to deal and and compartmentalize with that sort of often really shitty work. But often you're not going to attract the, those people for a low wage. Um, and so, like, I think that's part of it uh, for sure. And, and I think part of it is is better automation uh, tools for, for some of that stuff. And I don't think that that can be everything. I think at the end of the day, you still need people to to judge what's being put up uh, and, and to adjust. But, like, I think putting the resources there would see some some response. I think this is part of where Steam uh, Valve's uh, – you know, tendency towards secrecy really yeah. hurts them yeah. because I, I don't think anyone would claim this is an easy problem to solve. Right. It's not any one solution you come down with has all sorts of compromises and and problems. Like it's not, it is not as easy as saying get rid of the shitty stuff in the Steam communities, right? Like there's a lot of complicated things, but it never feels like Val is happening an open conversation both with its community and the wider culture that is impacted by the power that Steam has as a service. And it is long since past the time when they they should. They would also, they'd also be forgiven for a lot more mistakes if they were saying like, well, here's what we're trying, you know, this is part of, uh, like a lot of this happens when we have a conversation about like Twitter and like right. the bullshit they don't do to like make their service better. Like, it's like have just a, like a, like, like a, like an authentic conversation with the people that are impacted by this and people are willing to give you rope on like making mistakes. But it's like, if you don't come at it from a place of authenticity and that you're actually trying to make things better, uh, that's like a huge problem. So it's like when, when steam made its most recent, like sweeping changes to like try and address uh, stuff like this, it's like, Oh, it's like they're silent for a year. And then there's just like a blog post that says like, well, here's the conclusion we drew. And then like, (laughs) like the door is closed again. Like it's not, let us know what you think. Like clearly they're listening. Clearly they're like watching that stuff or I I don't know. Like, I guess I just assume that like, I don't, I don't know when does something rise to the level that like Valve's going to pay attention to what's happening on Steam. And I think that's just, that's a very frustrating part of their service is, is their inability to, they have. The one thing we can say for certain is they have the financial resources to do better than oh, they yeah. are doing. But and and it's been 
it's 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 is is far past ex- you know an acceptable period of time where they haven't at least shown a more good faith effort. Here's what here's what haunts me. Uh, well, a lot of things haunt me uh, heading into 2018. <laughs> yeah. Q Q uh, uh, 90-minute rant from Rob Zachney. I mean, Q, that, what was that what was that fucking quote that I pulled from your Call of Duty thing? Oh god, there is a weary uh, quality. Yeah, yeah. there is a, a weary quality to all of this, Rob Zachney. I mean, look, I, I think a lot about that uh, profile that um Oh God! What uh, newspaper ran it about the portrait of the modern Nazi, right? And it was basically a which one, Rob? No, no, no. This was the good one, though. It was like the it was like there are a lot of them in the Pacific Northwest tech community. Was was the gist of it? Like it was a like uh, it was basically your stereotypical modern Nazi uh, is in many ways uh, like a uh, you know a tech worker. Uh-huh. Uh, not not a high level one, but uh, there, there's a decent presence of uh, like crypto white supremacists right. uh, in those spaces, and I don't think that's a huge surprise uh, to anyone uh, these days. And then I think about like how Twitter has always sort of uh, you know just sort of made helpless noises uh, <laughs> when abuse and harassment and uh, Nazification. <laughs> Is brought up in regards to their platform, and in other markets where hate speech laws are exist and are stringent, uh, Twitter actually does have the capacity to uh, sift sift out and address these issues. They actively choose not to. It's not that it's a hard problem to solve. It sounds like a hard problem sol- to to solve to me because I don't work in that field. But they actually do have the resources. In many places, they have solved it. They just choose not to implement those solutions. Because why? And the answers that could be uh, anywhere from slightly disgraceful, like Nazis are good Twitter customers, it's a good uh-huh. user base, uh, and they need to keep those people happy. Or it could be that quietly on some level, Jack and his ilk actually do kind of like that definition of free speech. And they're cool with it. And the Twitter we've got is the one that they are happy to build. And I think that also – that standard can also apply to Valve. Like at a certain point when your forums – like literally at, you know, a cursory you know, trip through the forums and subforums around games yeah. uh, you know, is basically plunging you into like uh, Stormfront slash gaming, uh, then at a certain point you've just chosen to let your platform be used for this. Right. Well, or it's it's like a. I mean, would it like be shocking if like Valve like had like a, a like a really heavy libertarian streak and like that is reflected in like these policies, which is like, hey, you know, we set it up and then like they just you know the free market of ideas, you know, just does what it wants on our on our platform and like we're yeah, gonna have a, a, a. But part of libertarianism is also it's your fucking platform. And right. you can tell people. Yeah, but get, that's but that's like you talk to like any like like most like quote unquote libertarians like they don't talk about that part like it's just the it's just the first part, right? Right. It doesn't it doesn't come back around to like and that means that you you have to be held responsible. You can be held responsible by other individuals for whatever you do because you can't pa- pass the buck at that point. Like this, you if your goal is hey let me do whatever the fuck I want. Well, then if once you're doing some shit, that's the thing that you want to do and we can hold you to to what you've done uh, and you can't like wriggle away from it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's been a frustrating year of that stuff. We were supposed to get through a thousand questions. We got through like five. 
We didn't do it. But like that's five less than was there before. Yeah, I just but want... those will get replaced with five more. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They'll they'll they'll. We, you know what we should do? Okay, so the next the next time we do this, yeah, like it has to be sort of a light. It... Uh huh. It has to be like a lightning round. Like yes. you get you get you get third. Like it's a thirty second we... answer, even for like a really fucking tough broad question. Right. Like we can't do we can't do twenty five no minutes on the first question. Twenty eighteen. I'm you know? only letting Danica moderate that. <laughs> Fair. Uh, here's one last one. We'll just knock this out on real quick, and we can all go home. Uh, okay. Michael from from California says, "What does Goomba taste like? I think <laughs> like a mellow root vegetable, like a squash." Thanks, Austin, Patrick, and Danielle and Danica, <laughs> and keep it up. This is question number seven, so it's from before Rob was here. What's Goomba tastes like? Give me one word answer, and then everyone's free to go. You can't leave until you tell me what Goomba tastes like. What? Okay, you know Should the sausage we? on a pizza? I do. It's like that. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. Patrick, it's got that texture. It's got that, yeah. What does Goomba taste like? Patrick, go. Chewy isn't a... It's not that's a taste. Not that's it's, texture. But it's part of the sensation of... I get it. I get it. Uh, I get it. We, but we all, we all agree. Goomba's fucking chewy. Goomba. I think it tastes like... Hey, you know what I think it tastes like? It tastes like... Uh, uh, what do they call those, those fucking shitty Easter candies? The um, Peeps. Peeps. Yeah, no, I was going to say tastes like peeps. We're shitty? in agreement. Okay. Tastes like peeps. I feel like I feel like a Goomba has the texture of a of a peep and it tastes uh, like a peep, which I'm, is yeah. garbage. I'm with you. Feel like I, peeps are garbage. I'm with you 100, percent and that's going to do it for us today. If you have questions, you Pretty can send me about peeps. what I just heard. Gaming Fuck at peeps. vice.com. Fuck peeps, except for little peep. Rest in peace, little peep. I hope you're doing well. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, listen, I have lots of feelings about little peep. Um, everything's good in 2018. Killed tragically hope- in a microwave. <laughs> No, it's really sad. Uh, I hope everything. Uh, I hope twenty eighteen is a better year for 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 uh, everyone listening and everyone on this podcast too. Uh, get some get some rest. Take take the day off. Get some spend some time with people you love, and get ready for another long arduous year of trying to salvage whatever we fucking can. Uh, we'll be in it with you. So so stay tuned. We'll be back later this week for another episode of Waypoint Radio. As always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can find out more about that at waypoint.zone uh, slash B-O-E-N. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice. Follow me at, at Austin underscore Walker on Twitter, Patrick at Patrick Klepik, Rob at Rob Zachney. Waypoint.vice.com is the website. Danielle isn't here, so I'll say it for her. Be good and be good at it. Fuck peeps. Fuck peeps. Peeps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.